it's another week down, which means more park openings, more details provided, and even more questions that we need answers to. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where I'm happy to announce he's joyously agreed to perform America the Beautiful at the end of the show, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Yeah, happy 4th of July, Mr. Hall. Hey, how's everything going? <laughs> oh, it is It is loud. Uh, it is popping, literally, in the uh, the streets of Oakland, California, and not the way that they usually are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these are like people firing fireworks just everywhere. Next door neighbors, people down the block, people a couple blocks away, just all throughout the city are just firing off all sorts of fireworks, firecrackers, everything you can imagine. So it's loud. It's joyous, I'm, I guess, I'm assuming. Uh, you know, how, how about you, man? How are things going in, uh, in the Fairfield neck of the woods? It's about the same, except for we're starting fires out here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, so somebody, that's just another Saturday, then. <laughs> somebody's burning down their tree by accident. At least I hope it was by accident. <laughs> Yeah, really. That just means that was a good firework display. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 hitting off pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh disclaimer for everybody. We are recording this literally on the 4th of July. So, any kind of loud noises, any pops, any bangs, we're going to try to just keep on trucking through and hopefully uh everything will uh Nothing will get too crazy out there, but yeah, we're just going to keep on pushing. Yeah, let's hope that uh, nobody's uh, car alarm goes off too bad. <laughs> oh yeah, really? It's gonna it, it's gonna be an it, this is just gonna be an interesting episode. It's definitely for sure. Here I was thinking, uh, as I always do, that we're we're just kind of gearing up for just a calm, cool episode, just an easy breezy week. There's no like major big news this week at least for in terms of u.s parks so uh so i was just looking forward to just kind of a an easy laid back conversation with you and <laughs> yeah that's distracting all right anyway uh <laughs> well so uh with everything kind of gearing up so we are about a week away from the opening of Walt Disney World in Orlando right now. And so, you know, we're starting to get some of those details. We're going to talk a little bit about those details in a second. But really, I think everyone's minds are starting to kind of think about what that experience is going to be like now that for the most part, we have a pretty good idea of uh, of how everything's settled in. Um, but really the major outstanding item, certainly in Florida, this is the case in Southern California as well, though right now Disneyland is still not announced a reopening date. So we're, we're not quite sure what that situation is going to be. But uh, same thing with Universal Hollywood, 
not sure when that they're going to uh, they're actually going to start welcoming guests back. But Florida, we do know that that's going to be next week. At the moment, Florida is the hotbed when it comes to coronavirus just saturation. Uh, every part of that state right now is really peaking in terms of hitting the highest numbers that they've hit at any point during this like four month pandemic at this point. So, um, so, you know, obviously we're on the West coast. We're a little bit more familiar with Disneyland than we are with Disney world. So, but I did want to just start thinking about where our comfort level would be. Like, let's say Disneyland was going to continue forward with their reopening plan. The governor of California hadn't issued a, a notification saying we're not even going to start thinking about theme parks at the moment that, uh, you know, Disneyland was initially going to open on the 17th. So let's just assume for the sake of this conversation, considering that things are, that things were going to be continuing at Disneyland as well. And I just kind of wanted to get your sense, Henry Hall, in terms of where your mind was at, where your comfort level was at in terms of specific rides what are those rides that right now with Southern California being like one of the, the hottest spots as well of, uh, of coronavirus, what rides would you just at this point just have to skip and just not feel comfortable with Henry? Well, you know, I was thinking, you know, thinking about this, a, you know, a little while ago. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot that would concern me, but I think the ones that, come to mind uh mainly the biggest one that comes to mind that i would wouldn't ride would be definitely wouldn't ride would be the finding nemo submarine voyage because yeah it was at the top because of my it's, list too. i mean you're talking about like it's it's already cramped quarters to begin with and it's closed off so all that air is circulating and i think most of the the rides that i would be concerned with involve like close quarters and and air that's just kind of like circulating within a a smaller space so i think that that's number yeah. 1 like that one you know i would definitely like avoid riding but maybe I'd also probably have to guess what uh, it would. I'd have to see how they were running it, but maybe Smuggler's Run as well, because that's a that's kind of a yeah. closed tight quarters uh, area too that they oftentimes throw you in with people you don't know. So like uh, I don't think yeah. I want to be in like close quarters. I think the other one which is uh, kind of up there too. And whether I'd have to kind of think about it would be a uh, star tours as well. Cause that's enclosed. So, yep. but those are the, I think my three big, my three big ones that I, I'd have to like, definitely uh, finding Nemo is out. Uh, the other two I'd have to kind of like think it was, think about it a bit and see how they're running things. So, yeah, I think uh, I definitely approached a lot of. I, I have definitely more choices than uh, than you do in terms of rides that I probably would skip. Though, I mean, generally, like I said, you know, we're we're approaching things in the same way. We do have that same kind of question because really, the only information that we have in terms of 
how social distancing is going to be applied on the rides themselves is the the little bit that we know from just kind of rumors around, which we'll talk a little bit about uh, later once we get into the Walt Disney uh, World stuff. But also, you know, we, we, we've got a basic idea in terms of this, how the three other Disney parks that have already opened up, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Tokyo, how they've handled everything. So, you know, we're getting a clearer idea in terms of how that spacing is going to be. Seems like for um, kind of smaller rides with lower capacity in each ride vehicle, uh, it's usually one uh, one group at one time that might even just be a single person or in the case of like uh, Disney Sea, for instance, with 20,000 leagues under the sea, they're just not opening that ride. That was just a ride that they deemed probably not even worth it. I'm, I'm guessing it's most likely because uh, it's just a very slow moving ride. And if it's like a couple people per ride vehicle, it just it, it would just take forever to load even a reduced capacity. But we know that that's not what they're doing in the U.S. At least they're, you know, for Disney World, everything's good to go. So it's, really, it's those questions. Uh, the question that I had most specifically was like, what about the ride vehicles where they're higher capacity? So, you know, um, like Indiana Jones was was a big question for me. I get a little, I get a little nervous with that queue with Indy just because it is so tight close quarters. There's definitely some good airflow at the beginning of the queue and kind of maybe that first half, but that second half, once you, uh, once you really get into that temple area, gets a little claustrophobic, gets a little just kind of tight. And I feel like, man, even with, even with, even with good social distancing markers, uh, and good social distancing being practiced, uh, I would just be, I'd be a little, a little squeamish on it right now anyway. But, the question would be like, certainly it wouldn't be, it's not one full group per ride vehicle. So it might be, you know, uh, they're only filling half of those rows. Uh, maybe it'll be, you know, there's, you know, one row if there's a large enough group. I don't know. But I think that would that would be <laughs> a major kind of uh, a deterrent if, if they're going more than half full, which I, I would be surprised if they would. Um, Similar thing with like Mission Breakout uh, or any of those kind of Tower of Terror drop zones. It's like, you know, if it's if it's a relatively empty vehicle, like let's say there's only one group on each side, there's two sides, um, then maybe that's okay. And the first group is up front and the second group is in the back. Maybe that's okay. Still though, like a, a portion of that ride and certainly the queue as well is indoors. It's very tight. It's very, you know, it's it's in an enclosed area, so that kind of gets me a little squeamish. Um, the other big thing, Space Mountain was kind of a question uh, for me too. It's again that queue is really enclosed. I think once you're moving, it's okay. Some of the faster moving indoor rides got me a little bit squeamish as well, if only because I start to think like. How could anybody start really enforcing heavy mask usage on like Space Mountain, for instance? And all I can think about is, you know, somebody like a row or a car or two in front of me without their mask on, just like blowing a huge snotty sneeze at some point. And it just like 
hitting uh, me, hitting me right in the face at some point. I know that that's not likely, but still like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's coming right back if somebody does that. So, uh, so that made me a little like, eh, I might be, again, I might totally be overthinking it and it might be a totally different situation when, uh, Disneyland is open or when I'm in Disney world in in late August, uh, smugglers run was something I completely agree with. It's one of those things where again, it's a part of that is in an enclosed area. There's a rumor around galaxy's edge that we'll talk about that goes into, it sounds like what it's pretty believable what they're kind of planning. It's, it's just like what we've been talking about where it's a smaller ride vehicle. So really it's only one, um, it's only one group per pod. So if you're a solo person or if it's only two people, then you have the entire pod to yourself. It's still one of those rides that is interactive, which means like you're physically having to touch, you know, mechanical objects and buttons and things. You have to interact with that ride vehicle and that set, which I know that they're saying they're doing a great job cleaning. I totally believe it. I still, man, the, the, the less that I have to like physically touch something that like hundreds of other people have touched that day, uh, I think I'm going to feel uh, a better about that situation. Similar, uh, um, uh, Buzz Lightyear is in that boat as well. Yeah. Midway uh, Mania. Yeah, Midway Mania also in that boat. Enclosed areas, relatively slow moving, but there's just a lot of people, even if they're going to social distance where... You know, it's maybe like one group per three or two ride pods. It's still like, man, how many people have touched this <laughs> this blaster gun today? Even with that good sanitization, it's like, oh, I don't know. Um, well, I mean, when I made my uh, kind of choice, and and don't get me wrong, I also uh, agree with the uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout yeah. as well. That one. Uh, I forgot that that one that one's also an issue just because you do have like screaming and you got people yeah. kind of in the area and yes you could like somebody could scream and then you're just pushed right up into that or like yep. sneezes yep. or something like that and that uh, <laughs> oh, no. but uh, I think uh, when I made my choices also I'm working with the assumption that they are doing like people are doing perfectly like social distancing yeah. there totally because otherwise then you have to re really consider like stuff like haunted mansion where yeah. we're all in that room together and then i mean and of course er as everybody files out everybody pushes all together so uh, yeah. I i'm trying to like at least I'm hoping people like they are enforcing like social distancing. They're keeping people like in enclosed areas to a minimum. Um, so those things. And also I'm working with the assumption too, that they said uh, hand sanitizer will be provided to people when they get on before they get on and before they get off, I believe is what they were saying. So, so I mean that, and I've, already been working with the thing where like once i have the mask on I'm not touching my face until i like wash my hands and use some hand sanitizer and even then it's minimal but um uh so i mean those things are like i'm 
working with too so i I, otherwise yes the 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 lines themselves could be scary but that i think is goes for everything especially the fantasy land rides because those lines everybody bunches up in those lines um those are and the lines are like super tiny so like everybody's already just forced to stand next to each other anyways because those yeah. they're old school lines and stuff so uh cues are so so skinny like even i can't like move too far outside of that because <laughs> i'm like running into people so like yeah so it's like yeah i'm trying to work with the assumption that people are properly social distancing but yes like the fantasy land rides would almost all be like counted out of that just because like of the lines themselves if we're talking about lines because those lines are crazy well and so specifically the the lines that that gave me pause (laughs) that would probably be the the best way to describe it like the big difference between um like what you're talking about with the fantasy land rides and like space mountain for instance or even indiana jones is is um is the enclosed area versus at least a lot of those fantasy land rides either they're out in the open or it's like when they are kind of indoors there's still general airflow with the outside so for me anyway, I feel a little bit more comfortable with that than Space Mountain, which kind of after you're after you go through that weird kind of outdoor kind of plaza area uh, and you're into the show building itself, then you're kind of in these like long enclosed hallways. And so I'm with you, like I'm completely coming at it from the perspective of everyone is behaving and everyone is properly socially distancing. But specifically, those enclosed areas where maybe that air isn't getting circulated as much. Again, like it's just it, it's that it's that added feeling of like discomfort, as 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 uh, as uh, rational or maybe unrational as that might be. But uh, but like I said, it was it's really that airflow and that is it exposed to the outside element so that there can be some level of just natural circulation i think that's what that's really what got me in terms of like any of these rides with cues that really that really made me feel a little squeamish i actually think that the fantasy land rides just because those lot those old school like uh cues are so skinny like literally i one of the things I have to be very mindful of when I'm in those lines is, is, you know, that I'm not getting too like, um, comfortable is just cause I can even just in non COVID-19 times, like I could easily like bump into people or people bump into yeah. me because those lines are so like close to each other. So I would still yeah. say, even with the, good airflow you're just right on top of somebody already so i would say that's still i would still have more pause to go into the fantasy land rides i mean given that's if you're i'd have to see like what the social distancing is so i mean that's the question right like how are they socially distancing those skinny lines because i agree like that's a challenge for sure especially the way that you know almost all of those rides especially the more popular runs like Peter Pan is is classic example. It's all just a bunch of like double backs. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, unless you're 
unless you're social distancing both in front of you and to the sides of you, then it gets like really complex to think about that. But, but, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that again, like that is a big question. I just think that maybe there's a way of doing it there and I, I could be totally wrong. And, and, uh, uh, I certainly don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying as much as like, I could see there being a solution there. Whereas like, I don't know what the solution is for lack of airflow, uh, for space mountain or for like Indiana Jones. Once you get deeper in, like you're still in that enclosed area, no matter how they're spacing people out. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, they would probably just have to have like the one line going through and just cut those yeah. double backs out. And you would just have like, I don't know, they would just have to keep like people from, you can't enter in the line until like, you know, enough people have moved. And so I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I could see they could actually do something in Fantasyland. And yeah, you can't really do much about, uh, uh, well, I guess there is something to say they could do for Indiana Jones where they maybe start the line towards the end instead of having, yeah. I mean. That's true. You know, usually like. So that it's like just a walkthrough once you're inside. I think the last couple of times. I've been on Indiana Jones. The line really didn't start until you were like past like those, the cave area and everything. Like you were pretty much just yeah. walking all through that stuff and you really didn't actually hit the line until you got to the, to the, the, uh, excavation site where they had that, uh, the pull rope and everything. And then they have the, uh, the film with, uh, John Ray's Davies. Yeah. I was going to say, it's that newsreel. They have that choke point there, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, so yeah, it'll be interesting. I think, so at least for me, the two big questions are, how how are they going to be doing socially social distancing, especially in those tighter confines? So whether that's kind of fantasy land, tight, narrow turnbacks, or whether that's, you know, uh, indoors, long hallways, lack of airflow. I think that'll be interesting. It'll also be interesting, and in, in I think a big factor in this is just what their what their low capacity is going to do and create, right? Because if it's low enough and people are dispersed enough, then, you know, might you're, you're, you're not necessarily in a situation where you're going to get those ridiculously long lines that you normally would for Peter Pan or or uh, Space Mountain or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, but I think they'll, there's always that one popular ride that gets some kind of like, you know, crowd, like maybe the uh, Rise of the Resistance might still have something they have to deal with there just since it's the new, the new hotness still. Yeah. Well, and in that case, it'll be, it'll be a question too of like what, what their reduced capacity plus then reducing how many people are on the ride at once, how all that's going to affect everything. I mean, there, there really are so many questions, you know, when for Disney, for Disney world's park reservations consistently, almost every single day that had a park that sold out, the first park was 
Hollywood studios really because of, uh, because of galaxy's edge, uh, and rise of the resistance seems to be the, the main kind of draw of just like, Hey, come on in. And, uh, you don't have to worry about a, uh, a virtual pass. You don't have to worry about a boarding pass this time around. It's just kind of get in and I guess queue up, but, uh, but yeah, that, it'll be super interesting because that is right now. Anyway, that, that is the most in demand park. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, like, I'm really curious, like how they're going to do like, uh, the social distancing in rides for like haunted mansion where you have to go through the elevator. Uh, so uh, uh, yeah. And what they're going to do, like, how are they going to, like, the problems I see is like, you could have social distancing markers, but there's always that family that has like, it's not just like, you know, two people, they're like four or five, maybe even more people. And they all want to yeah. stand together. And then like, you know, that's one of those things I run into when I'm going to the grocery store. Cause like they have social distancing lines, but I always see like, you know, there's like four people, five people like uh bunched up on one thing. So you can't just be on that next line. You got to be like the line behind that one. So I wonder yeah. how that's going to work. And like those enclosed like areas like the elevator because i definitely better be able to ride me some haunted mansion or else that's like uh, maybe i should rethink going at this time if i can't <laughs> ride haunted mansion what could possibly go wrong henry well i mean it's still <laughs> still definitely like people uh definitely need to uh be mindful of their children because it whenever i see like somebody not like obeying like you know social distancing or not wearing the mask properly or sneezing all over things it's been kids and man i've just been like oh <laughs> it's just like keep your kids away from me <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know there's always like the there's the good kids and the parents keeping their kids in but there's this one parent that just like lets their kids roam free and it's just like no don't do that this is not the time to do I feel that like, yeah yeah i feel like some parents go to disneyland with their kids and feel like it's a it is a vacation for them as well from having to like fully parent their kids as if like there's enough going on at, at a disney park to distract the kids so that they're gonna they're gonna behave and that the parent doesn't have to do anything it's like no 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 please Let's uh, let's let's keep keep up the uh, keep up the parenting, uh, if you don't mind. And, uh, you know, and as a parent myself, it kind of sounds like a turnoff to be like, you know, it's it's hard enough to keep your kid uh, uh, in line. And so in, in a Disney park setting, it's like, oof, that sounds brutal, man. That's a lot of stimulation going on. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's there's a lot. And I mean, that's it's something I always like understand that there's so much stimulation for the kids especially this time you know like they've been cooped up for so long they haven't been able to like be around other kids you know then you get to a place where there's like all these cool rides cool like snacks and stuff like that and 
and your favorite things ever are there. And I mean, it's, I mean, I understand it. I, I want to like run around and, you know, do whatever. But I mean, this is one of those times where you have to be very mindful of what your kid is doing. Yeah, well, I mean, this is what Lori's for when you go to the parks, right? She keeps you in line. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Henry, it seems like another week, another theme park opening. This time, it was Tokyo Disney Resort welcoming guests back to Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea after being closed for 122 days. It's crazy. It's a long time. It's a long time. Chris over at the TDR Explorer, which, by the way, is an amazing resource for all Asian Disney Park information. He has a fantastic day one report up. Um, first off, he calls out that a majority of the temporary health and safety changes, at least at Tokyo Disney, may not even be experienced by anyone that's not already in Japan because the country still has this extremely long list of prohibited countries on their travel list. And we really have no idea how long many of these park changes will be in effect. So some of these may not be even up and running by the time that you're able to actually visit Tokyo Disney. So we'll, we'll just have to see. But, uh, but because of this, uh, Chris is recommending that don't even bother planning on visiting Japan until sometime in 2021 when this global coronavirus situation has stabilized. I think that's, that's probably like the biggest challenge of trying to plan any kind of international Disney park visit. It's just kind of everything's on hold, right? Until, have a better idea of of what stabilization even looks like. Yeah, I, I think I actually heard overheard when when I was at the dentist, somebody, uh, one of the, uh, the hygienists, her parents were in Tokyo, and I think they said that uh, they made it there safe, but they had to self quarantine for fourteen days, so they're stuck in yeah in a hotel for fourteen days, and. Uh, at least. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's a good idea to be traveling abroad uh, to other countries until there's a better ha hand on this uh, coronavirus because, uh, I mean, that's, you know, I've been hearing things saying that they may wind up banning uh, U.S., uh, you know, visitors from the U.S. from going into these countries just because we keep getting all these spikes. So uh, they have. Yeah. So EU has. Oh, okay. So if you if you attempted to go to uh, there, there was actually a a private airplane of a few uh, Americans, and I think there were some other nationalities too. But they attempted to land in Italy on their private jet. Uh, the Italian officials turned them away, said, no, no, can't, can't land here. Go back home. So they had to, uh, they had to hightail it somewhere else. So yeah, don't definitely don't plan on your Disneyland Paris trip right now because you'll get turned right back around. Yeah. Anyway, now that all of that's out of the way, let's talk about Tokyo Disneyland, which is where Chris had his ticket for individual park reservations are in place here as well but unlike what we're seeing at Walt Disney World specific selectable entry times are being used so if you remember for Walt Disney World they do have like a selection area that suggests maybe at some point there will be 
other selectable times. But right now, if you get a park reservation for uh, for any given day, it's just whatever the opening time for that park is. So there's really no selection to make. Not the case at Shanghai, not the case at Hong Kong, not the case at Tokyo Disneyland. So Chris specifically had his time of day, uh, his entry time of day for 11 a.m., but the two other entry times that were selectable, but they weren't available for him when he uh, selected his ticket were 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. So definitely uh, they have a pretty broad spectrum of, uh, of entry times there. But once he was in, a few of the observations that he did make included that character greetings, which are all distanced the way that they've been at all theme parks pretty much, uh, are still a bit all over the place. They don't have specific times posted anywhere. Cast members didn't have any information to share. And and really, right, right now, there aren't even really fleshed out character greetings. There's, there's only a single castle or harbor greeting followed by a single small parade along the parade route. So this is also kind of what we've been hearing about what's going to happen at Disneyland and also what's going to happen at Disney world when they open next week. Uh, very limited character, not even really meet and greets, but there might be like some distanced uh, opportunities where the characters will either be kind of quarantined off or in a very specific area that you don't have access to. And that maybe they'll do like a couple of different kind of like character cavalcades of them in a car or on like a bus or something like that, all kind of driving down a predetermined route. So you'll see the characters. It's kind of like a mini parade, but very, very specifically quarantined, very small, very controlled. Um, but he did call out that in at least this uh, this castle and harbor greeting area, uh, that there were social distancing markers all over the ground to space people out. So it seemed like that was pretty well communicated. Um, he did also call out what we were talking about, which is reduced capacity means very low wait times for all rides. He did specifically mention that the longest wait time that he had was 25 minutes for Pooh's Honey Hunt uh, later in the afternoon, and that was and that everything else was pretty much walk on. Uh, this I find amazing <laughs> because it pretty regularly Pooh's Honey Hunt which is like the most popular ride by far at Tokyo Disneyland is like two to three hour standby. Like if you don't get a fast pass within the, maybe the first like few hours of park opening, forget about it. You're waiting in like a ridiculously long line. And you know, if you've ever been to Tokyo or just Japan in general, people are totally down for really, really, really long waits. <laughs> so, uh, it's just it's just something you got to get used to when you visit those parks. But so the idea of like a 25 minute wait being the maximum for Pooh's Honey Hunt is like ridiculous. I would ride that like five times back to back to back to back. No problem. It really is an incredible ride. I mean, even like to do once, maybe like a, a two to three hour wait would be worth it. But it's definitely a fast pass uh, for sure ride. But it, that's amazing. Like that is Good news. That actually got me a little bit excited about uh, <laughs> the potential of Walt Disney World without having any fast passes was like, okay, 
if, if this is going to be the case where like half hour is my biggest wait that I got to worry about for like flight of passage or Mickey and Minnie's or something like that. Okay. No problem. I'm down for that. And then he also said these low crowds at Tokyo Disney were uh, made social distancing very, very easy. Again, it's a very crowded park. So it's got those really wide walkways similar to Walt Disney World where, you know, they can just they can just handle just mass crowds. And so with this reduced capacity, um, it just made it ridiculously easy to social distance. So that also made me feel really good. I know it's something that we've talked about, Henry, in terms of what that social distancing is going to look like. That's pretty good news. Yeah. I mean, it's it really comes down to like, are these reduced crowds going to be like just converging in one area but it sounds like no they're they're thinning out and people are doing other things which is awesome uh, particularly because it sounds like all, all these like you know fast passes are are up in the air of what's going on with virtual queues and fast passes so like it, it'd be great to not have to rely on fast passes and you can just go on the ride you want i mean that's that's the experience that uh i always like having at because that's why we always go on off peak times of the year yeah. and it used to be that it's way a dream yeah it used to be like perfect to go around like halloween but now that halloween's become such yeah. a popular time of the year to go it's actually getting more and more like peak or even above peak on certain you know yeah. weekends yeah, well, and I feel like with with their dynamic pricing that they've done recently, uh, uh, where you know it's it's the less popular, what traditionally the less popular days just cost pretty significantly less than the more popular days. I feel like the idea of an off peak time where it's a relatively empty park is is kind of a thing of the past. Like I always find, if you really want to have that kind of near empty park experience, go at like rope drop on a weekday. <laughs> then like weekday during like, you know, not summer hours, maybe right after, uh, right after, uh, right after New Year's is like perfect time to go because everyone kind of has the holiday kicks out. Um, you know, some of the more popular rides maybe are, are kind of going through refurbishment, certainly, Haunted Mansion definitely is uh, is going through that as well, but still, like it's it's generally a pretty comfortable park. I was there January, yeah, my last time at Disneyland was in January for that opening of Rise of the Resistance, and it was pretty comfortable. I, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, January is a pretty low low visit time in. I think even when we went, uh, we once went around uh, February. We went around uh, Valentine's Day, um, and oh, nice. that was that was pretty that was pretty easy uh, park to be around. Of course, we did also get rained out one completely rained out one day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, damn, like closed the park rain. Uh, they didn't close the park, but you might as well. I mean, because they never really closed the park, but they closed down right. all the rides. And it was like, well, we could stay here and we could shop because <laughs> we definitely can't r ride <laughs> yeah, anything. Yeah. And it was raining hard. 
Like we literally started to look like, should we find like uh, some umbrellas to buy or some ponchos to buy so we could just make it back to our hotel without being completely drenched? <laughs> yeah. uh, it was it was pretty bad. Uh, Hard pass. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was disappointing for that day, but we just took it as a day to like go back and just actually rest. Yeah. Th- those small pockets are definitely there, but like a true, true off peak day is like really, really difficult to find now. Yeah. And this was, I think this was even when we went la- that time, it was even before they started doing the variable pricing. I think they just started oh, up yeah. a little bit after that. Uh, but I think now with the variable pricing, now you can actually tell when, <laughs> when to go <laughs> since it like, should, but everybody else can, yeah, that's the problem. It's like, Oh, okay. This is going to be an off peak day. Well, then everybody else sees that. So that everybody else is going at that time. So, <laughs> yeah, so right. it kind of defeats that purpose. <laughs> it's an artificial peak day, but, uh, going back to Chris's report. You also mentioned that anywhere that there was any kind of queue, it was uh, spaced out with markers and regularly enforced by cast members. So if you're waiting in line to go to a ride, waiting in line to go to a restaurant, waiting in line to get your merch, get ready for social distance markers, get ready for cast members, ensuring that you're staying far enough apart from each other. So that's good stuff. Uh, and then he also mentioned this also includes the rides themselves where, uh, popular, I'm sorry, where populated ride vehicles were spaced out and disinfected afterwards. So that's good. That's exactly what we were talking about before. Um, and then this next point, I thought of you, Henry, when I read this, but probably the biggest detail I think for me, and I know for you, that he called out was that there were no pre-shows for any of these rides. That meant no stretching room. Mm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Chris here, but he said, you walk right through the pre-show area, including the stretching room. This is for Haunted Mansion, of course. All the doors are wide open and you simply walk through. There were yellow markers on the ground telling you where to stand. The best way to describe it is you're in a queue with markers all the way through the outside, through the pre-show area, right up to your dune buggy. Also worth noting, the stretching room is a little bit different in Tokyo Disney uh, Disneyland. I believe it's this way in Disney World, too, where it actually does stretch up as opposed to Disneyland, where it is a bit of an elevator so that you can go underneath those train tracks. But... Uh, so yeah, so it is possible at least at Tokyo Disneyland to just keep both sets of doors open so that you walk through without the stretching effect. Anyway, Henry, that's disappointing, dude. Yeah, I think I think of course because like what you just said, it is an elevator down. I think there's going to be some form of stretching room. I just I imagine it's just going to be very lightly uh populated as they they do it uh because it's just uh, i just don't see how you can skip that just because you have to go down <laughs> it's it's uh it's something that you know it's it is an elevator uh stairs they're gonna start sending people downstairs mm, 
I don't see how that's much better, but <laughs> uh, send one one group at a time. All right, your turn. All right, your well, turn. We'll see. Well, hopefully, I'll have a chance <laughs> to see. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's even though it's a different setup for Disney World. Like, if there are pre-shows at Disney World for their various rides, I feel pretty confident there are going to be pre-shows at Disneyland as well. So. That will definitely have, you know, in a, in a little over a week, we'll start to have those uh, day one reports. Yeah. Probably for next week's podcast, we'll be talking about it. So uh, so that'll give us a, an early indication, but it's true. It's, it's uh, there's definitely, there's definitely some mechanical difficulties in terms of just a walkthrough for, for these pre-show elements. So I'm not, I'm not sure how that would work, but I, you're probably right. That they would just send lower groups. I mean, they've got two, I think they've got two stretching room elevators, right? So yeah, it's just, uh, it's hard to see them. Like, I mean, not to say that I think they would skip it if they could, but I just don't think you can since it is an elevator down. So uh, I think even when I'm in there, I'm regardless of them trying to, it's funny because uh, I think before COVID-19, people were always trying to get space from other people. And now it seems yeah. like now during COVID-19, seems like people are trying to get next to everybody. So it's like, it's kind of had the opposite effect of like before, like, uh, you know, every time I was at, I mean, I've always tried to distance myself away from other people just because I've always been mindful of my size and whatnot. And like, if I, you know, move, turn around, if somebody's like right there, I'm probably going to smack them in the head or something. I've always been very mindful of like trying to give myself a little bit of a distance from other people. Uh, now that stuff is coming in pretty handy now. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, now it seems like other people are trying to get close to you and you're just like, ah, no, <laughs> stay away. Uh, They're just, they, you know, it's just everyone these days right now is just starved for human contact. So even when it comes to Henry Hall, they just want a little peace. <laughs> well, I think they need to give me my space. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so it'll be, you know, the other thing that he, that Chris called out is that on a few of the rides, I think he said that this was for, yeah, he made, he had an example of Monsters, Inc., where the exit of the ride, usually it would exit into like the gift shop. And here, uh, because the gift shops are a lot of them are closed in a lot of those rides. I expect this is going to be the case at Disney world too, but they had alternate exits that were through almost like emergency side doors. So I wonder if, I mean, I have no idea what the entrance or access points that are, that are, that are available for the haunted mansion. I'm guessing that there are some that are either for emergencies or just for overflow or for whatever, I'm curious if they would, if they would uh, utilize something like that in order to, if they really felt like they needed to, to skip a pre-show. But uh, mm. he also mentioned that in a few of the rides, they had some of the side doors just open to create kind of more airflow. So interesting 
based off of our conversation that we had at the, uh, at the top of the episode, but uh, also interesting to think about how that could maybe break immersion. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I, I mean, again, there, there is so much up in the air and we just won't know until things really get cooking. But, you know, I mean, it sounds like there's various different things that are being done throughout the different parks. So there's not, there's not a lot of consistency in terms of even pre-shows because, we are seeing pre-shows at Hong Kong, for instance. Hong Kong Disneyland has pre-shows, mm-hmm. but uh, but not Tokyo. So, don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind actually skipping a pre-show if, as long as it's you know done, you know, f- for safety reasons. I mean, it's I, as long as the ride is is going, that's the concern for me. Uh, but you know. If I can see the pre-show and it's safe, I'm all for it. Who could argue against that? That makes total sense. <laughs> as long as it's not putting you at risk. Um, and so he also he, he also called out merch shopping, uh, which was available. However, even that had some uh, some major queuing going on. Uh, just merch throughout Tokyo Disney Resort, both of those parks are a big deal for everybody there. I know that uh, I stopped in at the end of my day, both of my days uh, at the resort, just kind of, I always like to stop. Whenever I visit, even Disneyland, uh, I always like to stop at the gift shop on the way out, just to to kind of give one last minute perusal, see if anything uh, catches my eye. I took one step into these gift shops in Tokyo and immediately walked out. It was like, there's no way. I'm uh, I'm fighting through this crowd, so definitely some big, big time merch hunters uh, throughout Tokyo. But um, but an interesting point that he called out as well is that the only items available at most of the shops that were open were just general park merchandise, uh, anything for special events like uh, like the 37th anniversary or the Disney Easter event. Um, all of that had to be purchased online. So that seems like that's kind of a, a cool idea. I might might actually prefer to do online shopping anyway. Um, but overall, it sounded like Tokyo Disneyland totally on the ball for their reopening. Uh, the new health and safety procedures that we're seeing at pretty much all Disney parks at this point uh, when they reopen are creating as comfortable and reassuring an experience as possible in the current climate. Chris also called out he felt very safe and and comfortable, as comfortable as you could be uh, throughout his uh, his day one experience. So sounded like it went about as well as you could hope. Yeah, that actually talking about uh, shopping for merch, I really wonder how uh... – Disneyland and Walt Disney World are going to do because I know Disneyland their uh, shops are not it's not just necessarily they're they are crowded with people but they put so much stuff in there that I wonder if they wind up taking stuff out just so that there's more room for people to walk around because a lot of the way that their stuff is set up it just forces you into other people uh so yeah uh i mean uh world of disney and the downtown disney that is actually i think a little more a better spaced out 
for stuff. Yeah, it's huge, so, too. It's like one big wide open yeah, spot. Yeah, that's much better. But like uh, the stores actually in, in Disneyland, uh, those are like super crowded. So, uh, yeah, uh, I wonder if they wind up taking some stuff out just so you can, because man, that that would be a nightmare trying to, if you wanted to get some merch at the end of the day, whew, those stores get so packed. Yeah, I definitely could see them taking stuff out. I could also, I, I mean, I, I'm sure, well, so we already know that they are going to do some access point kind of manipulation. So, you know, right now, if you go down Main Street, um, any of those shops are pretty much like they have multiple entry and exit points, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just super easy to get those bottlenecks. It sounds like what's happening, um, certainly at Shanghai, certainly at Hollywood Studios, uh, certainly at Hong Kong, uh, and it sounds like at Tokyo as well, is that you're, you have dedicated entry and exit points for all of these kinds of merch shops. And so it makes it a little bit easier for them to do crowd control. Certainly Tokyo is doing queuing for all of their merch shops as well. So I imagine that they're going to have some level of control in terms of how many people they're letting in at once. Um, I believe it was City Walk. It was either City Walk or Disney Springs that was saying for some of their uh, merch shops and just shopping uh, stores in general that they had a very specific set number of people that were allowed in at once and that once somebody left, they allowed another person in. So uh, just just very tightly controlled um, amount of people that are shopping at once. So, you know, if they have a, pretty good idea of what that sweet spot is, then, you know, you definitely might have some longer queues outside waiting to get in. But that's a little bit easier to manage that social distancing there. Um, it may just be that there are so few people allowed in the store at once, and generally they're all going to be migrating in a singular direction, that that might help kind of reduce those, those, uh, those crowded points. Yeah. The, I think the idea of like how many people are allowed in a shop there, that might be set up by state. It just, it's interesting to try and like how that's going to work with someplace like Disney, where you did know that you did say there's multiple ways to go in and out, but uh, I guess they would probably have to like, I don't know, rope off because the interior, how you can move from, from one uh, store to another inside, that would be kind of the, the problem area I would imagine, but I guess they could rope that off. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I know how they could do it, but I just, uh, I want to see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at least the way that it's done at Disney Springs and the way that it's done, I want to say Shanghai, it's either Shanghai or Hong Kong, I forget, but that they do have very specific entrance and exit signs at the doors that are, Hey, if you want to get in, this is where you line up. And there are no other, I mean, because Hong Kong and uh, and Shanghai are both exactly the same, where you just have kind of, you know, uh, it's Mickey Avenue in Shanghai, but, uh, but Main Street in Hong Kong, but it's exactly the same thing, multiple exit entry points throughout uh, those Main Street shops. And they just, yeah, they have those doors just locked pretty much, it looks yeah. like. And if you want in, there's only one spot to go and you got to wait in line. And, and if you want out, there's only one door to go out 
<laughs> and that's just the way that it is. And and yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be it'll be such a change. Like I feel like it's always such chaos in those stores that it's very easy to almost get kind of mixed up and double back because you don't remember where you've been. And there's just like so many people moving around in that area at once that it's just, you know, you, like I said, I, I often find myself doubling back and being like, Oh, I've, I've been here before. Wait a second. So, you know, maybe if it's just like you have a very streamlined shopping experience where there's only a select other few people in there, then, uh, then I think that'll be helpful. I think the other thing that's going to be the case is they've been very lax uh, and and open, right? Once the, once the parks close, like, hey, continue to shop. I mean, they welcome you to do that. I don't think that's going to be the case, uh, at least for the, for the near future. Uh, I think once those parks close, like maybe you'll get a little bit of, of leeway to get some shopping done, but I, I think you're rolling out, man. Hmm. Yeah, I would. I don't know. I think they. I think they would still allow people to do shopping because it may be uh, a little more difficult to do your shopping. So they may give extra time for the shopping. But I think you're still. Either way, there's still going to be a line or something you're going to have to get through, fight through, to get your shopping done. In this case, it may actually be best to go outside the park and go down to downtown Disney to uh, World of Disney and do your shopping there. Definitely. Since pretty much everything is there anyways, and you'll have a much better, easier time navigating yeah. through the store. Yeah. I mean, and, and not only that, like, you know, again, you only have 10 hours in the park. It's not like It's not like you can show up and have 12 plus hours. You've got 10 hours to do everything you want to do. And chances are you're not coming back to that park unless you've had, you know, unless you've got another reservation on another day. So, I mean, again, it's like you have less time. Um, you know, it will be interesting to see how the shopping experience is. I have a feeling they are going to tighten it up just because they've got those set hours. It's just like, you know, everything is all staggered too, just to, uh, just to try to help transportation, it seems like. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll find out, but we'll know next week. Yeah, I, I just it's one of those things where I I, I think they're going to do their best to accommodate as many people as possible in those shops because I mean, obviously they want you to spend money, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what is done. But uh, I still like feel like they're going to do their their best to make it a safe experience because of course the last thing they need is for people to feel unsafe you know doing their shopping and being in the park because that's just going to reflect badly on disney and they just don't want that definitely true now this positive reopening that tokyo disneyland is experiencing is a very good thing henry because like we've been saying we're only one week away from Walt Disney World welcoming guests back. In preparation, we are starting to hear about some of these final reopening details. Chief among them is what we were alluding to earlier and is what guests at Hollywood Studios can expect when they visit Galaxy's Edge. So now this info comes from a reputable moderator over at the Diz Boards. So not Disney official, but... I think you're going to see it totally all makes sense. I, I, none of it would be surprising. 
So to start things off, to help ensure good social distancing, each party will have their own ride vehicle on both Smuggler's Run and Rise of the Resistance. You've, you don't even have to worry about sharing. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Be interesting to see on Rise of the Resistance how much of a uh, how much of a, a line that's going to create, considering the uh, the high popularity of that ride. But you know, one group per vehicle, perfect. Yeah, I guess I guess you don't have to fight. That'd be weird though. Like, if you're on Smuggler's Run, do you get to choose what what? part of the ride you want to you want to experience or do you always have to be the the pilots only if there's only two of you <laughs> or there's one of you <laughs> that's a good point uh, from what i understand the way that it works is like if there aren't if there are spots that aren't manned by people that it's there's just kind of like a very simplistic ai that the uh the ride operator can switch on and off so I guess you can choose, hey, I want to be an engineer on this ride. I want to be a gunner on this ride. I want to be a pilot. Could do all three, no problem. But uh, but yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, I mean, I, we did go on uh, once, and I think uh, we were missing either one or two people. And those, yeah, we were missing two people. So those spots were weren't uh, filled, and they it just ran fine. Wow. Um, that was... And they didn't have single riders. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't get those, uh, why they just sent us on with four, but, uh, I mean, it was when, uh, went with, uh, went with my sister and it was just the four of us. Yeah. It ran fine. Uh, it's just, I never really thought cause we all just still took like they were the pilots and then we were the gunners and then there was no engineers. So, uh, I wonder if anybody who says, well, I want to be an engineer only. I don't want a pilot. It's kind of weird, but it could, probably could happen, <laughs> you know. They just took one look at you, Henry, and were like, "This guy's got it handled. No worries." <laughs> well, it was hilarious. It was a hilarious ride, though. It was awesome. <laughs> I, I rem it made an impression on you. I do remember. Oh, this. it was amazing. Uh, so, also called out, pre-shows will still be used. However, guests will either be significantly spaced apart or just left open for walk through queue. So uh, sounds like potentially both. I would imagine in like a smuggler's run situation that maybe for like Hondo's pre-show spiel that everyone's kind of spaced out pretty far, but at any other point, you're just in one long kind of socially distanced queue. I imagine it's probably something pretty similar for, uh, for Rise of the Resistance, I guess. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it makes sense that it, I mean, as long as people are just maintaining their distance, it should be fine uh, as, as long as they just don't pack it with people. And I imagine if there's, you know, the lower uh, head count, you know, capacity is is lowered, it sh hopefully it's not an issue. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Oga's Cantina will be open. However, it's not fully clear if Florida's recent ban on on-premises alcohol consumption will modify that experience. So, Henry, if they were to say no alcohol served in Oga's, it's just these non-alcoholic menu items, would you still go? No. <laughs> As it is, I mean, it's, I mean, it, you know, it's just too pricey and that area is 
super crowded and enclosed. Yeah, that was my so, thought. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's it's not very comfortable uh, normally. And then you're going to limit like my what I can have. So, yeah, it's just it's it's cutting so much out of the experience that I was just like, nah, I, I'll skip it. Yeah, that was my, I think, even more so than the alcohol thing uh, was just how packed that space usually is. So that uh, I almost feel like it'll take away from the experience if it's, if it's like, not to say empty, but if it's just not packed. Like the fact that it's like a bustling cantina actually is a, is a positive, at least in terms of the overall vibe of the place. You know what I mean? Like that's what you expect if you uh, are in a star Wars movie, like a really busy bustling, just a lot of crowd noise kind of area. Uh, So the idea of it being like a half empty place, maybe, maybe makes it feel a little bit lifeless. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, either way, it just doesn't seem like it's just something that I think is best to just skip for now. Fair enough, man. I think I, uh, I think I'm with you. I, it's one of those places like I've been twice and you know, it's like if I'm with a group of people and we want to get drinks, it's kind of like a fun thing. Even I'm okay spending a little bit more on like a drink or two. It's, it's kind of like a fun vibe, but yeah, if it's just me or me and maybe like one other person that's already been, it's, it's not very high up on my list. Yeah. I, I mean, it, there's just a lot of other places that, could spend that time and spend that money and you have 10 hours to spend you're not going to want to spend one of those hours at ogas yeah totally um sounds like there will be one relaxation zone similar to what we've been seeing at some of the other parks that have already been uh that have already reopened it's also an interesting point because we haven't heard anything about these relaxation zones other than you know expect that they'll be there uh but you know, at least at Universal, the idea is, and I believe, I believe they said in this, uh, in this, in this detail that there would be capacity of around 80 people, which, which seems like a lot of people in that area, but this is a designated area that you can go to and basically take off your mask. So 80 people in an area like that sounds pretty heavy. And, as much as I like the idea of relaxation zones and who knows, maybe I'll feel differently. I feel like I probably would avoid areas where there's a ton of other people without masks on. I, I don't know. I'd have to see the area. Um, Cause you know, I think the thing is uh, I think the concern uh, that I have, and I'm sure a lot of other people probably have had is if you've spent a, a day uh or a lot of time with these masks on, it can start to hurt your ears and stuff having them on. So I think it makes yeah. it, people antsy to take them off. And you you do need an area that you can can take it off. But I I just have to see like how that area is set up so I can actually get away from people and do that. If it's if it's done well and correctly, I, I think it's possible. But uh, it would probably be a pretty sizable area if you're if you got eighty people allowing eighty people there, uh, eighty people with social distancing. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see. I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's totally viable that that's going to be the case. Uh, they need some place in Galaxy's Edge for sure. 
and then we already knew about this, but uh, a bunch of the shops, including Savvy's workshop, which is the lightsaber building workshop, will not be reopening with the park at first. Bunch of those shopping uh, stores are just, I guess they're going to be opened at a later date. So, uh, so we'll see. So like I said, all of that is totally believable if they make an announcement or even if they don't, and we just hear back on day one that like, yeah, it's one person per ride vehicle. Uh, Ogus is open, but no alcohol. And yeah, there's a relaxation zone with 80 people, uh, limit then I, I buy all of that. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, and then so over at WDW News today, they also have an interesting transportation rumor posted that the minivan ride service is the next in line to get the axe. Apparently, they're getting reports from cast members who were initially told that they'd be returning to work soon. And now their managers are telling them they, quote, should update their resumes. Mm. Never a good thing. Uh, Disney is telling them that they're halting the service to ensure driver safety, but the general feeling among cast members is that this has to do more with cost cutting. Henry, is this uh, is this something you were familiar with? These minivans? Yeah, it's a cool concept. The the minivans that look like mini themed minivans for transportation. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was like it was there. I guess it makes a little bit more sense at a place like Disney World, but it was there kind of stab at trying to i don't even know if it's like take away from ride sharing or even like fully compete but it was to solve the fact that because on-site transportation can be kind of slow at times that a lot of people were just calling ubers or calling lifts and just transporting that way either to the to the hotel or to the next park or wherever they want to go on site in a fraction of the time so i think i was reading that this was uh this was a chapic decision that was made a few years ago or this was a chapic creation anyway but yeah so their idea was like hey we can do this in house uh we can you know prevent that money from going to uber and lyft we can uh you know i believe that they were getting leased vehicles from chevy so i'm sure they were getting a sweet deal on that but uh but i guess it was just way too expensive in the long run um and it makes sense right it's like you've got full-time employees or or i don't even know if they were full-time but they were employees of yours doing all of the uh all of the driving uh and it's almost like you know it's tough to beat Uber and Lyft at their own game. You know what I mean? Like they've they've got it pretty well figured out where it's like, hey, uh, our drivers aren't our employees. Uh, we're not liable for anything that they do. Uh, they drive their own vehicles. And, you know, we just collect like whatever it is, like 50, 60 percent or whatever that whatever that cut is of of whatever they're going to make. And that's, that's what we do. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Disney is of course trying to take the relatively responsible route of be like, yeah, it's going to be our own employees and our own vehicles, or at least leased vehicles. Uh, and Uber and Lyft are just like, Psh, forget that man. Like, let's just go the cheapy kind of, you know, scuzzy route. They're not afraid to play in the dirt. Yeah. It's, 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 it is tough to, to beat Uber at this because, because their overhead is <laughs> like zero <laughs> for the most part. So yeah. it's like, like you said, they're taking no risks and no, that's all up on their, on the 
the person themselves to not only like take all the risks of driving their own vehicles, but they have to like pay for all the maintenance of their own vehicles. They have to pay for the, the gas and stuff themselves. So it's like, yeah, uh, it's hard to beat to Uber and Lyft at their own game. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not surprising, uh, that, you know, this would fail in this way. Uh, it's unfortunate though, because those were some cute looking uh, minivans. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it was like a natural extension of just kind of like the uh, the Disney experience. It was kind of cool that, and and I wouldn't even say cool. It was kind of like a nice thing that you could. And I guess this was all. I mean, this was all through the Lyft app, which was kind of. I'm sure that they were paying Lyft some percentage point of that too, which I'm sure didn't help their their overhead, but. Uh, but still, it's like, you know, the idea that you would, you know, be at like Animal Kingdom and need to go over to, you know, the Contemporary or something like that. And so you would call a minivan as opposed to just like an Uber or a Lyft where it's some random person. Uh, some a Disney employee would pick you up in a Disney vehicle and and take you right exactly where you needed to go. And you didn't have to worry about anything. It was just like, cool, here we go. Yeah, I think that's also sounds like it'd also be a, a safer uh, experience, at least, because you never know who's picking you up in these Uber or Lyft. <laughs> it's true. You never know who's picking you up. You never know what's on their playlist. That's the other thing. You never know. You feel a little weird being like, sometimes you get the drivers that are very cool, very nice, and that are like, hey, man, does this music work for you? And you're like... You're like, yeah, whatever. I don't really care. Uh, and you just kind of tune out. But then there are those people that show up playing like, you know, I don't know what, playing just whatever. And uh, and don't even ask you about it. And it's just like, all right, then I guess uh, I guess here we go. <laughs> They're vibing out to their own music. <laughs> hey, you want some more of this? Yeah. <laughs> Buy my uh, mixtape. My, my mixtape. Oh, disc. man. Yeah, they're hustling you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've sounds like you have a little experience with this, uh, no. Henry. Actually, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that. Now, of course, Walt Disney World isn't the only Disney resort to have an opening this week. We also have Downtown Disney at the Disneyland Resort beginning to welcome guests back on July 9th. However, definitely an interesting twist to all of this is that the entire county is currently under lockdown and the governor of California has asked for all indoor operations to cease. Disney hasn't provided much of an update other than to say that downtown Disney will continue to push forward, but with only outdoor dining. Uh, and so from what originally was announced that list includes ralph brennan's jazz kitchen naples restaurante e bar tortilla joe's uva bar earl of sandwich ballast point black tap uh and the la brea bakery cafe uh, and so since this announcement from california uh, has been made right now only ballast point has said that they're going to be changing their plans so everything else seems like it's uh it's going to be chugging along business as usual, but with outdoor dining only. So what about it, Henry? Are you going to be planning your trip down to uh, downtown Disney anytime soon here? No, <laughs> that was never going to happen. That black tap shake isn't calling your name? Uh, well, those shakes are, are epic for sure. It, but you know something <laughs> that is 
is sorely underrated. Tell is me. Their, is their deep fried Brussels sprouts. Oh, they sound great. They're, they were awesome. They're so crispy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're just amazing. Definitely something that should, if you go there, you should try them. Even if you're not a big fan of Brussels sprouts, they are good. They get so crispy. Oh, nice. Yeah, man. I love uh, crispy fried Brussels sprouts. Did you go the whole meal route at Black Tap or did you only go like shake snaps? No, we got a whole meal there and, and they're good food in general. Oh, yeah. The the burgers were awesome. Nice. I've heard very good things. They, they, they seem a little bit pricey, but I get it. It's Disney. I'm fine. I understand. I know what I'm getting into. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was definitely like, you know, it's always kind of. A, a tough pill to swallow when you look at like a burger being over 10 bucks or something like that. But it was a quality, quality burgers there. And, uh, and the deep fried Brussels sprouts were awesome. So we star of the show. Yeah. Well, we, I never, almost never get like appetizers, but I've never seen like deep fried brussels sprouts before so on a menu so i was like i gotta have those uh i love brussels sprouts so uh i i need to see what these things are and they were they did not disappoint uh oh so henry we gotta go and my wife was was she got the uh the choco taco churro shake and it was too much (laughs) <laughs> there's a full yeah. there's a full churro and a full choco taco in there and it was just like this is ridiculous come on black tap choose one <laughs> just choose one what are we doing and then it had i think it was like cinnamon toast crunch like all <laughs> like on the outside of the cup and everything it was just like wow this is crazy it's crazy. You know, I, I got to be honest, man. I kind of hate that food trend as of late where it's just kind of like you get these like ridiculously designed. Uh, let's just stick with milkshakes because this is also like milkshakes seem to be like in a specific lane of their own. But uh, yeah, these like ridiculously ornate milkshakes where. They they show up and you're and you you spend like fifteen bucks twenty dollars. They show up and you're like, what do I even do with this? Like, what the what am I supposed to do? There's just so much stuff everywhere. And then within like five ten minutes, all of that stuff that's like caked on the sides and step piled high, it's just all like falling down and dripping off. And it's just like you know what? I could have just gone with the milkshake, just a plain old milkshake. I know that they've got those at Black Tap as well, but it's just like, this is too much. This was not an enjoyable experience. Not a well, fan. Well, I think in this case, it's it's really one of those things where you, those milkshakes have to be, they're not for one person. Like, if you're one person, you can take that. You are amazing, but like, my wife couldn't. No, you know what they're for? They're for Instagram. That's, that's true. What they're for. That's true. That's definitely like a photo moment. You you if you're taking yeah. if you get this thing, if you buy one of those and you're not taking a picture of it, I don't know. Like even I like it's like <laughs> I'm not a, a person who who shares food and whatnot. That had to be I was like you got to take a picture of that. Uh so 
and and to be fair, those I guess they have certain um, certain shakes you can order on the outside, and then there's only shakes that there's certain shakes you have to order that you can order order only order when you're at the seat down area and the choco taco churro shake is one of those that you can only get if you're eating inside pass <laughs> yeah like it just like i said it doesn't uh doesn't do it for me but i hear you man it's like if you go to if you go to black tap order one of those shakes and don't use it for instagram it'd be the equivalent of going to salt bay's restaurant and not salting your food like an asshole <laughs> and finally Late breaking news from Shanghai Disneyland, WDW News Today is also reporting that one of their Shanghai-based readers has noticed that the Fast Pass option has been completely removed from the park, and not just removed from the app, but physical Fast Pass-specific entrance signage as well, meaning that your only two ride options now are waiting in standby or purchasing what Shanghai Disney calls Premier Access. Now, Premier Access has pretty much been a way to pay for an instant fast pass for any ride at any time of day. So each Premier Access pass is for a specific ride and can be used only once, but really it's all about that flexibility and just not feeling like you have to rush at any point. In total, there are around eight rides that use this system. Passes can be purchased for around $10 each or in packs of three, five, or eight. Obviously, different discounts depending on how many passes you're all buying at once. Uh, when I was there last year, a full pack of eight was going for around $65. So the process works where you make your purchase, you go over to the specific entrance of your pass's specific ride whenever you're ready to ride it. You pull up and scan your QR code like it's a digital fast pass. Boom. It's pretty much a walk on at that point. So the flexibility of that all makes sense, right? But also in a park that can get as crazy busy as Shanghai Disneyland, traditional fast passes for the more popular rides will often get snatched within the first 30 minutes of the park being open. At that point, if you want to take a ride on something like Soarin' Over the Horizon or Roaring Rapids, it becomes a choice. Do you wait for that two to three hours in standby, or would you rather pay that $10 for Premier Access, which almost always has more availability than FastPass, of course? But wait! Those single $10 Premier Access passes, they have limited availability too, and when they're gone, the only ones left will be those in those more expensive bundles. Anyway, now that it's looking like there's no more fast passes, which by the way, Shanghai Disneyland opened with this option when it reopened in May, there's currently only standby and pay for play lines. Of course, there always could be more changes or modifications to Premier Access that Disney just has yet to communicate and implement. But as of now, this is the way it's currently rolling. So why am I bringing all of this up and detailing out this full process? Well, we already know that these closures have caused Disney to make some uncomfortable cuts, even to items that were once complimentary. <coughs> Magic bands. So Henry 
Paul, do you think that we could see something similar in the U.S. parks where the fast pass system is completely replaced by something like Premier Access, much like it's done at Universal with Express Pass, much like it's done at SeaWorld and Busch Gardens with, with Quick Queue, and much like it's done at Six Flags with Flash Pass. Do you think that's something we could see over here? Uh, well, I would say anything's possible, but I think <laughs> yeah. at this point um, they may be considering it, but I don't think you would see like them fully like like I don't think it would be something that would be fully rolled out anytime super quickly here. Um, I think it is a way of of making extra cash. Um, I know that uh, at uh, Universal's Hollywood, they have the front of the line pass, uh, which I one time bought. Uh, it is something that I think in like peak season is worth getting, but not in off peak times. So um, right. I think uh, it'll be, It'll be interesting if they did try to run it, roll it out. I think as it is, um, people are fairly happy with the uh, fast pass system or now that they they have the max pass uh, that they've rolled out here in uh, California, um, which they seem to be uh, happy with, but they seem to be also like constantly uh raising the price of uh (laughs) so um i think they would i don't know if i would see them actually doing this before they would just raise the price of max pass out here um so Or, or even more so could they implement fast or max pass i mean they would again it would it would have to it would have to be a major restructuring of the way that Disney World operates with their fast passes because it, it max pass just as is would not work at Disney World. But is that something, do you think, that, th- that they could then also carry over to Disney World in some capacity? Yeah, I could see them doing like max pass over in Disney World um, more so than than Shanghai Disney's uh, pay for uh, system just because um, it works with the regular fast pass type uh, system. Uh, but it also is kind of a subtle change that doesn't necessarily shock the system so much Uh I think if they just tried to go with a, a pay for system at this point, that it would a lot of people would be really, really upset. Um, not to say that they wouldn't do something like that. Uh, you, as I've become very aware of, never say never, and never, <laughs> and they will they will surprise you at times. But um, yeah, you know. As it is, I don't think they would try to just like get rid of regular fast passes, but I could see them implementing a a 
form of Max Pass over in uh, Walt Disney World, as since it is something that has been implemented in uh, California and Disneyland and has been accepted. Yeah. So, I, right. And I th- part of me almost feels like you could almost look at the way that Max Pass has rolled out slowly over time at Disneyland as almost like a test bed for will people pay more for better access, which is really what at this point MaxPass is, right? So because FastPass operates differently than FastPass Plus at Disney World, um, you know, FastPass Plus is, the focus of it is on kind of uh, booking your attractions and your fast passes well in advance as opposed to Disneyland, which is very much just even if you're paying Max Pass, you're not getting any kind of fast passes until day of, right? Yeah. So everyone is kind of on even playing field, which is definitely not the case at Disney World, where if you're a resort guest, you have earlier access than if you're just a single park guest. Um and you have like tiers for rides and you can have a certain amount of fast passes uh, in advance and then everything else has to be day of. But then of course that's all going to be reduced because a lot of those fast passes have already been snapped up before the day of. So like I said, it's a completely different system, but to your point, regardless of any of this, they have a lane that they've proven through max pass that people will accept paying for access. It's really all that MaxPass is, is just, hey, you don't have to walk across to the physical machine to grab your paper ticket, right? That's basically what MaxPass is for the most part. Yeah. And how much is that worth to people? The question that they're trying to ask right now that really they haven't gotten a ton of information on because uh, I think this last price increase went into effect in like January and the parks closed down in mid-March. So, you know, the question they were asking people is, does having that better access, is that worth $20 a day? And because previously people felt like it was worth I think, did it debut at like $5 or was it 10 I think it debuted at 10 it was, I don't think it was ever, 10, right. ever 5 but definitely. Yeah, that's an easy one. But certainly, so they proved out like people will pay 10 for sure. People will pay 15 maybe not quite as much, but certainly enough. Now the question is, will people pay 20 And they're going to keep inching up on that until the answer is like, nope. People won't pay 30 or 35 or 40 or whatever they end up hitting that limit with, right? And so that gives you that data to say, like, people are willing to pay a certain amount of money to have better access. So certainly that probably, I mean, you could make the argument that that maybe even is more so at the case at Disney World, where you do have people that are more so doing their once in a while or maybe once in a lifetime, like big, big, big family vacations as opposed to Disneyland where it's a lot of locals and then maybe a lot of people just from kind of the West Coast that are kind of visiting frequently, infrequently. Maybe you get some people that are visiting for big vacations, but certainly nowhere near the amount that you do for 
Disney World. So perhaps it maybe is an easier sell even to say $60. You at any point throughout the day can get access once for for certain, so the most popular rides. Uh, all you have to do is select it and walk up and scan it. At any point in the day, boom, you have instant access. And it's $60, $70, $80, whatever, whatever that is per person. Um, again, if that's a crowded day, you're not visiting the park very often, and it is a once-in-a-while trip, that might be worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think it uh, basically it's kind of the similar issue uh, even in uh, Disney California Adventure or even in uh, Disneyland, I'm sure, uh, for certain rides. But, uh, you know, you get uh, certain rides, cer certain uh, fast passes will sell out, will run out really quick. I mean, I know that uh, for Radiator Springs, I've definitely seen like the fast passes for Radiator Springs run out before noon. Uh, so, yeah. and, and that, that wait line can easily be up to like two to three hours in standby. And, uh, and the tough thing about that wait line is that that line can be super short, but they're just letting yeah. everybody else go ahead. And it becomes very demoralizing watching all these other people <laughs> in this, in like go yeah. ahead before you, but then you're in like a really kind of short line and you're like, well, why am I not moving? Cause everybody else had fast passes and got those fast passes yeah. before you. And, and yeah. this may be like the max pass may be the only way uh, you can get it. Like, like I mentioned before how we would go and it would be the weekend. It would be a higher a higher uh, uh, guest count than normal. It would be like over peak uh, number of uh, people in the park. So that would be a day when I got the max pass. But on general, yeah. like I wouldn't get max pass because if you really think about max pass, it adds up pretty quickly. I mean, because it's, you know, I guess one of those things that is kind of becomes the brutal fact is, is that you can't just pay like, you know, 15, $20, I guess $20 now for, and you get that for all your tickets. You have to pay $20 per day per ticket per, you know, yeah. per person. So it's like, you know, if you have a family of five, that's a hundred dollars a day extra that you're paying to get the max pass. And then, uh, sure. So, yeah, so yeah. It, it can add up considerably. Uh, but like you said, if you're only there for like, like two days and you, if you're only there for two days, yeah, the, then it becomes more worth it because you got to get everything done in two days. Yeah. If you're only there for two days or if it's like, you know, you only come to Disneyland every few years <laughs> and it's like, okay, maybe that's something you can justify a little bit easier then because it's like, you know, a couple hundred extra bucks to ensure that we can just knock everything out. Sure. 
Um, but you know, so also I want to say, you know, you're talking about being demoralized because of people that got fast passes or max through max pass or whatever through the morning. Talk about it at Disney World where people get there where where rides sell out 60 days in advance. <laughs> so it's like it's like a completely different universe with that, right? You're not. It's just like the idea of getting a same day fast pass for something like flight of passage is like forget about it. If you don't have a if you don't have a fast pass, you're rope dropping or you're waiting for like three hours. Anyway, um, you know, so I, I think you do make a good point of just, you know, maybe you introduce, maybe it makes more sense from Disney's perspective to introduce it as kind of like an ancillary option for fast pass. Maybe what they're maybe what they'll do is I you know, I mean, hopefully they don't, but Perhaps what they'll do is like reduce the amount of fast passes uh, that are available, which is kind of what I'm assuming Shanghai would do, because like I said, they would sell out in like 30 minutes on those popular rides. It would just be like, yeah, we have no more times available, especially when you have hotel guests that are allowed in 30 minutes before everyone. It's just like, forget about it. But um you know, so if you have that as an available option, people don't necessarily feel like you're taking some, uh, I mean, a major component. In all fairness, like magic bands are one thing, but that functionality isn't going away. It's just migrating to your phone or you're just paying out of pocket for your magic band. Um, but like if you're to remove FastPass Plus, especially, and even just FastPass from Disneyland, uh, I mean, that's a major component of your day that is just completely, you know, changing and probably for the for the worse. So, you know, maybe they don't want to get rid of that process the way that they're doing it at Shanghai. And it's not quite as easy as a process as Shanghai, where, you know, a majority of that population that's visiting that park isn't like, <laughs> you know, they're not like super steeped in uh, in Disney planning, Disney park planning. It's the, the Disney go park going experience is still relatively new over there. So the idea of no fast passes isn't like they've lost something that's been around for over a decade or something like that. Um, so, you know, maybe that's an easier pill to swallow over there, but, uh, but yeah, because like I said, you know, if, if, you know, it's $10 and I can save three hours. That might be worth it. I might seriously consider that if it's a ride that I really want to get on. Maybe I don't want to do rope drop or I wasn't able to do rope drop. Then maybe I'll do that. Like that doesn't sound too bad, right? Well, with the way these new reservation systems are working, more likely you need to like, optimize your time in the park as much as possible because you know yeah. you don't have as much time and as you said like well like you know before there's like a well like i didn't make it to rope drop now it's like you can't go to rope drop because you didn't get that reservation that time and you're coming in at two o'clock in the afternoon so now you really have to you know optimize your time so uh i think yeah. i think they've but as you did say as you did point out it's it's a newer park so things haven't been you know 
set in place for so long that it's it's a little bit easier pill for them to swallow at this point than if you had done something so radical here in in Disneyland or at Walt Disney World where there's already an established system that's been there for over a decade now. So definitely true, but also we don't have fast passes certainly through 2020, maybe deep into 2021. I mean, that reservation system's in place until like September 21st, 2021. Mm. So it's possible that fast passes are coming back, but I mean, there's been no, nothing that would suggest like for sure they're coming back early 2021, right? Like there's no time frame on that. And the fact that there's no virtual queue coming up means that like certainly people are going to go six, seven months without fast pass being a thing. If let's say it goes until September, that's over a year of fast pass not being a thing, you know, all of a sudden it's like, that would be, if that was what they were going to do, that would be the moment, right. To like drastically change fast pass. I can read the press release right now, right? Fast Pass is back and it's more accessible than ever. <laughs> You're like, no, I don't believe you. <laughs> that's, that's a lie. That's like every time that like a frequent flyer miles are devalued for an airline. That's their, that's always their pitch too, is like, it's easier to use them now than ever. Uh, you just have to use twice as many. <laughs> it's like, oh, great, great, great. Yeah, perfect. Now you have more options than ever. It's like, right, right. Okay. That just means that those other options you've added are, uh, are, are pay for play. But, uh, I hope that that's not true, but we'll see. Like I said, that the, the, uh, the runway is there. Should they choose to take it? Um, it'll be interesting. I imagine there'll be some heavy backlash. So hopefully it's, it's just, if they do something like that, that it's just, that they really don't devalue fast pass and they really and they really don't have such a heavy hand to try to nickel and dime you. I'm worried. This is the big thing that everyone was always so worried about Chapik about is that, you know, seems to have that reputation of kind of a nickel and dimer when it comes to theme park stuff. Hopefully that's not the case. That's, hmm. it's one of those unfortunate things. Cause I think, uh, it's so easy, I guess, to nickel and dime people. It, while i mean it especially on a trip to disneyland because you are sitting there and as you pointed out it's like this is a lot of people's their first either their first trip or maybe they don't make this trip very often so it's easy to get them to to put this money up but still it, it does feel like a bit like a like you know this is it's harder, hard enough to make a trip as it is. And then if you're going to nickel and dime someone, it, it, it just feels like you're, you're taking, you're taking advantage of a situation. Yeah. So, well, and that's a true too. If you're going to do it, don't do it now. Wait until like the parks are really, really open, open, open to do it. Like the idea of doing it now to people that, you know, are, you know, we've, we keep on saying this, but to people that are visiting the parks, knowing, you know, paying full price, 
knowing that they're going to get a reduced experience is like already kind of a bummer. So if then you're going to try to nickel and dime that experience too, it's like, oof, that ain't good. Oh yeah. I mean, they're already feeling like, I mean, not to mention like people's morale at this point, people are going buggy because it's just, you know, been cooped up for so long and, and they haven't had a lot of, good news going on at this time of the year and then and then they finally had a opportunity to actually try and take a break of that and then in their whole time that they they finally got this uh vacation planned and they got it paid for and then they get to the park and then they're nickel and dimed they can't put the money towards something that is really going to be memorable uh, other than the, like, oh, I wanted to ride this ride and I had to pay for that because of that. I couldn't buy the, the shirt I wanted. Yeah, man. Well, here we are ending on another downer, dude. Jeez. We should, uh, let's pick things up a little bit. What do you say? Sure. <laughs> All right, Henry, <laughs> it's just about your time to shine. Big guy. Are you ready? No. <laughs> Lord's yours. Henry? Huh? Time? It's your time, big guy. Huh? There we go. What? We're going. We're rolling. Did I ever mention I don't sing? <laughs> it's for everybody's benefit that I don't sing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed right now. I don't think you are. <laughs> well, that just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making more content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and hit that like button. This has been episode 23 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry! You take care, big guy. You too, man. Peace out, everybody. <laughs>